0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Knocked Conscious. It's Mark here, and I am very excited to introduce the person I have on the other side of the microphone. His name is Stephen Holland. And if you don't know, you may have seen his artwork all over Las Vegas in the 2000s and 2010s, because that's when I saw him. And I have a story on how I came to find his art and everything, but I reached out to him And he so graciously reached back and kindly reached back. And now we're going to have a conversation. Hi, Steve. Are you there?
1: Hi, Mark. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining. Uh, May I share the quick story that I have about the first piece that I bought of yours? Yes. Okay. So... Uh, I was heading driving up to Las Vegas, and I have seen your artwork before. Uh, Stephen, you're very famously known for doing a lot of uh, sports figures. One in particular is Muhammad Ali, one of my idols. absolutely love Muhammad Ali. And your painting, Ali, 1965, has always been one of my favorites. I always go into galleries looking for it. On the drive up to Las Vegas, I was with my ex-girlfriend now, but current girlfriend at the time. And a song came up and we started dancing and I started doing the dance moves from Pulp Fiction. You know, oh. the John Travolta fingers yeah. over the eyes and the twist and stuff.
1: One of my favorites.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it is. It's one of the greatest scenes of all time. And uh, what happened was I started doing the dance and she looked at me quizzically and she didn't understand what it was. And I told her, this is what it was. Well, what happened was the first gallery we walked into, I walked in, I said, I'd like to look, see if you have Ali 1965 as Stephen Holland. The woman says, no, but I think there's something you might like. It's in the back. We just got it in. She walks us literally in these catacombs in the back of the store, and she pulls out uh, this this uh, Giclee, and it's John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, the one that you painted that he had signed. And I knew right there that there was kismet there. I bought it on the spot. <laughs> so I just knew that there's something about the connection, you know, the energy. There's something there. How I got pulled back there, I don't know. But we're talking now, and Steve, thank you so much again for joining me. Tell me a little bit about, you know, for those who don't know you, give us a little general idea of who you are
2: and and what you do. Well, uh, um, uh, I'm at present, uh, I mean, I'm a painter.
1: I've been an artist my entire life. Actually, my mother said that I came out holding a pencil. And, uh, even though there has been a lot of, uh, a lot, I don't even want to call it baggage, a lot of stuff in the way, (laughs) probably put there by me. Uh, it took me a long time to finally get serious and become a professional. Somewhere, ever since I was, could remember thinking, I knew I was going to be an artist. Um, I grew up in the Bronx in new york City uh I currently live now in Southern California in beachtown, and um
0: please tell me of a guest room
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, <laughs> but it's currently occupied <laughs> uh,
2: no worries <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um it's just been a long road uh at present. I mean, I got involved uh, painting sports, uh, I don't know, what is that, uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, and about three years ago, I, I stopped painting the sports and started concentrating on, on a different style of painting, a different approach to it, which was more personal, although the sports were pretty personal too, uh, for what I would call an artistic reason as much as a fan reason.
0: Absolutely. Do you remember your first uh, commission piece with sports, or do you remember your first piece that you painted or the first piece you sold?
1: I actually, um, before I really got serious about it, I was working with a guy um, in... I guess out of La Cañada, California. And he had me doing these generic paintings of uh, of uh for some promotion that he was doing. Um but the actual first commissioned piece was commissioned by the Los Angeles uh oh my god. <laughs> The Hockey King.
0: Uh, the Kings.
1: The Los Angeles Kings.
0: Okay, yeah. Was it the Gretzky
1: piece? No, it was not a Gretzky piece. It was actually a generic piece also, but a big piece.
0: Oh, very nice.
1: And, and it was actually how I got that piece was quite, I don't know, you would call it synchronistic, or consequence, but it started my whole career.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear off. that story. That sounds amazing. Because I, I love synchronous events, Stephen. Like I said, this—the whole reason we're talking is because of this. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so please share. I'd love to hear.
1: All right. So, I had gotten my life
2: together from uh, un- un-together life, <laughs> and
1: was working for somebody uh, doing artwork, a lot of artwork uh, in conjunction with my current wife, and. We, uh, I wanted to stop and start doing some illustration work. You know, do some freelance illustration. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I get a phone call from a friend that tells me he ran into this woman named Joanna. And Joanna wanted to know how I was doing, and that she had some work for me, so very Joanna nice. was someone that I had done a a commission for for a uh hospital piece okay of, of some uh carousel animals
2: oh, very um, nice
1: about ten years earlier
0: <laughs> wow, that long ago is that yes. she she you made that that much of an impression
2: and so she uh,
1: you know, and, and when she'd seen me, she'd seen the, the, I used to make toys. So she'd seen the toys, she saw the carousel animals, and she saw a little bit of sports work that I had been doing at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so I, uh, I call up Joanna and she says, no, no, I don't have any work for you. I just ran into Mark, the guy's name, and said, uh, how, uh, you know, wondered how I was doing. So I told her, you know, what I was doing and, you know, just, you know, woofing around and this and that. And uh, So now we have to segue from there into, okay. into the L.A. Kings hockey team. Yeah. They'd just been bought by a new owner, Bruce McNall, and he changed everything. He changed the colors of the team. He changed their uniforms. Uh, he changed the decoration in the office, everything.
0: I remember it well. I'm a big hockey fan. So okay. I remember all the changes when, when teams, uh, change their colors right. from like, I think they were what, per, uh, purple and yellow and they, or yes. Royal, you know, Royal purple and yellow. And then they went to like silver and black. Right.
1: Right. And this is just when they bought Wayne Gretzky. Right. right.
0: Exactly. The 15, are you are know, the, to be the
1: greatest just, hockey player of all time.
0: King's ransom. It's an amazing story.
1: So, uh, the the
2: owner Bruce asked their marketing director to
1: uh, get a bunch of paintings made on the team for the offices, and so he had no idea where to find a sports artist. So he went to the guy where he bought all his furniture from, you know, his new furniture for the new offices because. The, the, uh, they usually, when they sell furniture, they usually have a lot of paintings hanging there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They kind of, they kind of work with paintings
1: the paintings there to let, get the paintings seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So he said he didn't know any sports artists, but he asked the art consultant, the art consultant that hung the paintings said, I hang landscapes and abstract paintings. I don't know any sports artists. <laughs> Her name was Carol. The next day,
2: Carol runs into Joanna in the street.
1: They're, you know, they're just friends. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. And Carol said, Oh, by the way, Joanna, you wouldn't know a sports artist, would you? Joanna said, Well, as a matter of fact, I just spoke to one yesterday.
2: Wow.
1: And so.
0: The day before. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is totally synchronous, right?
1: Yes. And so the next day, uh, you know, or, you know, within a couple of days, uh, we're down. My wife and I are down at the King's offices showing the marketing director, Rob Moore, uh, my portfolio. Now, Rob Moore, actually, uh, his dad lived in Southern California, where I lived. And and uh
2: he had told me, I mean, he's a great guy, a regular guy, but he said, you know, I grew up in an aristocrat,
1: so I know a lot about art. And at
2: that time, you know, which is 30 years ago or so, yeah. in,
1: in the sports teams, you didn't have many people that knew much about art.
0: No, not at all. It was much. It wasn't as much white collar as much more blue collar people,
2: right? Like, or, it was,
1: yes, yes. Just it was, you know,
2: salt of the so, earth people.
1: Yeah, and so he was very happy <laughs> to connect with me.
0: Right, because you were a true artist,
1: and so, and and you know, I grew up in the street, and I grew up, you know, so I could talk his language.
0: Exactly, that's amazing
1: and so there it went from there that's, that's amazing that's how i got started and at the same time joanna and carol connected me up with a gallery that was selling sports and entertainment art in los angeles
0: oh that's great do you know the, do you remember the name of that of that place is it still open
1: uh no it's not open oh, okay Anymore at all, and I I don't remember the name. That's amazing,
0: her. though. So in 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 one day, in two days, you went from obscurity to some kind of notoriety.
1: Right, right. But you know that's that's kind of funny. It's it's a good. Well, I had learned these lessons early on. You know, I had good training in that. But I remember thinking how when we first went down to the king's offices, I had never been in that kind of setting before. Or, you know, with those kind of people, I was like, you know, who, in my mind, were all these wow people, and and I thought, oh my god, this is so fantastic. I mean, if 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 if, if Rob Moore were to come out and talk to us in the waiting room, it would have been a thrill. Let alone get back in their offices. Right. Exactly. You know?
0: I mean, just to be noticed. Right. Just to but, have some kind of.
1: But three weeks later, I remember the owner had a. A, you know, like a private party, and I felt, how come I wasn't invited?
0: <laughs> oh, you were slated.
1: Yeah, already uh,
0: <laughs> three weeks in, right?
2: Well, what you no, went from?
0: I uh, you went from uh, humble to entitled in three weeks, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's funny. I have to laugh
0: at that. Is funny? You're like, hey, how dare he not invite me after yes. inviting me? <laughs> so that just launched it all for you, then. That did. So, what brought you out to? The West Coast from the Bronx. I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm I'm a very East Coast guy. Right. Okay. Good. I hear it. And, you know, you, you it's a, it's such a different attitude, mentality, a culture, and all that.
1: Um. What brought me out here? Well, I came out here twice. Okay. Uh, both times because of women. <laughs> <laughs> the first, time, I would
0: do the same, Steve.
1: <laughs> the first time was in 1976, uh, when uh. An ex-girlfriend had moved out here, and she called me that I still was hung up on, and she called me and said, uh, oh, you have to come out here. She lived, she had moved to the Haight-Ashbury just before the Summer of Love. Oh, wow. Yes, oh, wow. So that
0: must have been a lot of love going on.
1: (laughs) So Yes. So I came right out and drove across country and came right out,
0: Famous and, last words. Uh, Every man ever would have, have said I came right out. I'm just telling you right there, I would have jumped right in the car and headed out. <laughs> but when I got there she said I don't, I don't know why I said that. I changed my mind, you know. Oh no.
1: But as I said, it was the hate Ashbury and the summer of love, and it just was all happening right away.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. So and, you got to well, experience some really amazing uh times. Yes. Yes, and, I, and- I places. I, I did. So I I I was
1: there uh till the end. Uh I stayed in the Haight Ashbury and then I spent another year in San Francisco in rehab <laughs> after the Haight Ashbury.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Do you I, care to share about that story or uh It's certainly well, up to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would be I don't I would really like to hold anything back. Uh, I was, I, I was a heroin addict, uh, for a lot of years, a lot of years ever since, you know, the, this was 1961, I think I started.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I was kind
1: of a functioning heroin addict and I used it on and off, but mostly on, you know, I just kind of kept it rolling Yeah. and stayed alive somehow. With all of that.
0: Did you use while you were painting? Oh yeah. During times of inspiration?
1: Yeah, I just yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, talking about inspiration, I remember just a little aside, um in the early sixties there was a singer out of Portland Oregon when it was all started happening. His name was Tim Harden. He was a new age folk singer. Sang beautiful songs. Okay. He, he's the guy who wrote "If I Were a Carpenter," right? The song most people would know.
0: Yeah, I'm very familiar with it.
1: Okay, and so he had this this really soulful voice, and
2: he said, uh, "I remember he stopped
1: using, and his soulful singing changed.
2: So he started using again." And then he died,
1: oh. and I remembered. I remembered saying to myself that when I eventually had stopped using for good, I remember. I remembered that and said, "I'm going to make sure that I keep my soulfulness in my work, whether I'm using heroin or not."
0: That's it's interesting you mention that because a lot of people talk about that creative being unleashed with, you know, they talk about mind altering versus mind freeing. You right. Know? Whereas that, you know, it's kind of like the Michelangelo talked about the statue was always there. I just had to carve away the stuff right. around right. it, right? When you have that inspiration and that type of thing gives you that, it, it how could you walk away from that? You know what I mean? It, it, I can imagine the challenges.
1: Well, I took it originally not to be creative. I took it originally because I was in a lot of pain, uh, emotional pain.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, based on from things when I was younger, things that happened when I was younger. And so, uh, that's what that ha- did for me. It stopped that pain.
0: That's, um, that's, that's important to know as well, you know?
1: Which, uh, and you know, regarding the, the heroin, when I eventually gave it up, you know, it took me about 30 years. It was my current wife. And she didn't know, but I knew it was either her or the heroine. And I had known her for quite a while and knowing who she was when we were just friendly. Right. And I said, I want this more than anything in my life. And the heroine's gone. That's amazing.
0: So when did you, when did you stop? Stop.
1: I stopped, stopped in 88, 1988.
0: Holy mackerel. Congratulations! That's amazing. That's great. Congratulations for you that you had that strength and that your wife gave, in a weird way, gave you that strength.
1: Right? Yeah, she, she was the reason. But I, I had uh, help. I had it, help stopping. Yeah. I, it's
0: it's important to have the help as well. But if you help, don't have the personal desire,
1: you know, the, the help was a phenomenal help, and I would love to go back and tell you that story. But first, we were talking about something else.
0: Okay. Uh, what brought you out to the West Coast? Right, okay. that was you the said the first time. time. <laughs> what? Uh, so you headed then back to the... You went back to New York for a while or somewhere else? Yes,
1: then I went back to New York for um, a year and a half. And was... Uh, I was living with another woman out there. And there were these spiritual retreats out in California. And... Uh, they were supposed to give you, uh,
2: it was basically, mostly based on the Eastern religion. Yeah.
1: At retreat. And they were supposed to give you quite an experience. And, you know, not everybody got them, but, uh, on retreat, you right. know. You have
0: something to do with like Kundalini and all that kind of stuff, like it meditation. Wasn't,
1: well, it had to do with, I guess, the Kundalini rising. But what it had to do with, um, it was a, You know how what a Zen sashim is?
0: I don't, no.
1: Uh, That's where there's, uh, I I think it's a Zen sashim. I'm not sure, but it's, you know, or a Zen koan where there's a question. Like, what is the sound of one hand clapping?
2: Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
1: Okay, so. I'm familiar with those. And so you can never answer that. You just have to experience that. You would get the sound of one hand clapping is silence.
0: Right, right. That's true, yeah.
1: And so, this retreat was geared to do that, and it was eighteen hours a day meditation. And,
0: and what year was that when you went back out?
1: Uh, that was seventy. Okay, nineteen seventy. And so, you, uh, you, you, uh, uh, but you know, sitting, mate, and and meditating eighteen hours a day. Is really very difficult.
0: I can't imagine doing it for so 20 this minutes. Group,
1: so <laughs> this, this group that uh, was called the Institute of Ability that was founded by a guy named Charles Berner, he had developed a technique where you meditate actually in conversation with another pe- person, working on a question then it allows you to keep your focus for all that time. Oh, wow. And they were three and five day retreats, and they were geared to give you an experience of—you could call it whatever you want—God, enlightenment, the truth,
2: right?
1: You know, presence, whatever it was, it was all the same.
2: Some
0: kind of epiphany, right?
1: Some kind—it was more than an epiphany. It was actually a transformational uh, state of consciousness.
0: Got it. I, I see.
1: It was kind of what like enlightened. Beings experience for their whole lives, but this is a mini glimpse into that. I guess it's what a lot of people experienced on acid. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Okay, I never got it on acid for some reason. I mean, I enjoyed the acid, but I never got to that. I've never
0: been, I've never had the fortune of trying like the good stuff back in the day. Now I can't imagine the crap that it is now. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine the 60s, it was pure you know or at least a lot better for you (laughs) very pure and in today's world i don't know if you can trust your sources (laughs) with fentanyl out there i i don't want to touch anything
1: no no so uh anyway so i went this the second time this one girlfriend wanted to go out and do this retreat and so we drove across the country with we started out with 36 dollars in our pocket driving to California from the Bronx.
0: <laughs> what kind of do you mind if I ask what kind of car you had?
1: Yeah, we had a, a nineteen seventy four or earlier VW No, it wasn't seventy four. Couldn't have been seventy four, it was nineteen seventy. Was an old, old VW van that I had built the whole inside to make it livable.
0: Oh my gosh, really? Like the the little magic bus kind of van?
1: Well, it wasn't, it was just a small van, but yeah, right. it had beds and, and, and <laughs> bathroom or I don't know what kind of bathroom, I don't remember, but it had, it had places to sit in the back and eat and, you know, sleep and everything. That's
0: great. And you built that out yourself?
1: Yes, I did. <laughs> I uh, actually, at that point I had lived with this woman and we lived in Brooklyn across the street from the college I went to when I went to college which was uh in the early 60s uh late 50s uh Pratt Institute Okay and I lived right across the street from the school
2: and they had a whole wood shop in there and somehow I got them to let me use their wood shop <laughs> <laughs> That's great
1: And so I built this whole thing um,
0: so you're pretty. You're pretty industrious, regardless of you being artistic. You actually are practical with
2: your hands as well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I came to California uh, this the last time, and I eventually hooked up with a woman, and we got married, and she had a kid, and we had a kid. Uh, I started making hand painted wooden ties, toys, and selling them at craft fairs.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: So uh, anyway. So this girl wants to get to California, and I want to get us there late because, you know, it's a four-day retreat, uh, you know, uh, right. vegetarian, no smoking. I was three packs <laughs> a day. So <laughs> so really you're
0: trying to hem it. and haw. You're pushing it back as far as you can.
1: Yeah, but she got us there. <laughs> 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 we got there in time. Good. And and uh, took the retreat. And I didn't have much of an experience on the retreat, but I got a glimpse. And the lady and I split up and, uh, I had been initiated back in New York by a person named Swami Satchidananda, Nanda, who was a, uh, a Hindu Swami, uh, an enlightened being. And he was a teacher in, in New York City. And he had moved to New
2: York City. And he had been brought here by Peter
1: Max, the artist. Oh, okay. Who ran into him in Paris. Wow. Became one of his devotees. And they eventually set up a an ashram in Manhattan. And so uh because I was on the drugs and I thought it would help getting off, I got initiated. So and I knew, you know, and I knew about the you know, the ashram. And so when I came to California after doing this retreat and my lady and I split up at that retreat, I didn't know what to do. I went to, there was, they were starting an ashram in Santa Cruz. So I went up there to the ashram in Santa Cruz and moved in and started practicing yoga. And and actually at that point, I had stopped using heroin again for five years. Although well, five years later, I went back, but okay. I stopped, I moved into the ashram for nine months and, and learned God so much about meditation and, uh, you know, the Eastern philosophy, right. yoga and, uh, you know, doing, uh, yoga poses and, uh, you know, really worked at it.
0: Yeah, how how were you able to incorporate that into your life? Did you just meditate every morning, or did you do what yoga did, every day? Or? It was an
1: ashram. That's what we did.
0: Well, I mean, after, coming out of
2: that, like, did you continue oh, that
1: after that?
2: Yeah, did oh, you continue I, that kind after, of
1: after that? I I I did yoga in the morning and I meditated in the morning. Okay. And uh, when I left there, I I moved into uh, I came back down to a place called Santa Barbara. Yeah. And my brother was staying there to, at a with his girlfriend at a woman's house, watching her son. She was getting a divorce, and she needed to go find work. And the three of them lived in kind of like a communal living situation. Okay, uh, they watched the kids. They helped cook, clean. Uh She was a physical therapist, so she earned. She owned the house and earned enough money to support everybody. So I moved into that situation, and eventually the woman and I got married. Oh, that's great. Uh, but the, I remember the first thing I did. In an <laughs> office everything is kind of clear. You know, you have pillows up against the walls. Right. And,
2: you know, it's very
1: simple. She had furniture like an an obstacle
2: course.
1: <laughs> <So> <laughs> it I guess was so
0: cool. tight, you just, or you had just so much of it?
1: Well, were, yeah, there was so much of it. I just, uh, uh, being very pushy, I guess, at the time, uh, we got rid of all the furniture and started, and everybody started doing yoga in the living room because there was no room. Right. And also it was a way of thinking. You For know, sure. Yoga is, is, it's the teachings are more about, it's kind of like what my wife teaches her, our granddaughter. Uh, since she was able to hear was "Be good, do good, and have fun
0: be good, do good, have fun. that sounds like pretty straightforward to me,
1: yeah,
0: can we do some can we get back to that
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's up to you, I guess its well,
0: yeah, I guess it's true i'm I'm hoping i mean I'm. can the collective you get back to that? Can we all kind of focus on being good, that, doing good, and having be, fun
1: that would be kind of nice. Yeah, instead of Mm -hmm.
0: arguing and...
1: (laughs) Pretty far away from that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, hopefully we can get back to that, right? But those are great tenets to have. Be good, do good, have
2: fun.
1: Yeah. You know, I believe the humans are basically good people that we, you know, doing good makes us happy.
2: There are a few of us that that it doesn't, that we're so miserable that all we want to do is
1: make other people miserable, but I think basically... You know, and then we bring that misery out in other people.
0: We do, yeah.
1: But I think people would spend a lot more time having a lot more fun being happy.
0: I would agree. I, I think that, I mean, the mo- some of the most selfish things are charitable. <laughs> right. I mean, what are the best things that make you feel good is when you can help someone. Yes. I, you know, I mean, it's a weird, selfish kind of good feeling, but how can service to other people in humanity be a bad thing?
1: It's- and, you know, I see it. I see it so much, you know, like uh, you know down south, there's a hurricane or flooding, and you know you get hardcore republican or you get hardcore people racists coming down there, not caring if you're green, purple, or striped, right, they're just there to help,
2: right, and they Absolutely. enjoy it,
1: and that's why they're there, yeah,
2: and
1: that's what I think is the thing that I like in people and that needs to be nurtured in people.
0: Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's nice. Uh that sense of community. I mean, I you were born in 1941, right? Right. Yeah. In the Bronx. So I would assume Bronx in 1940s was a very tight community. You knew the name of every neighbor. Yes. Everyone you lived with. It, that those times have changed a lot too, you know.
1: Yeah, I remember um, you know living where I live now in Southern California when my son was was uh you know, 13, we wouldn't even let him go to the movies by himself. Wow. Okay. I was going to movies by myself at six or seven. Right.
0: Yeah. You'd even ask your neighbor to like let you in sometimes, right? Or get well, you. Well, it
1: <laughs> was sad to have an adult at that age.
2: Right. Exactly. So
1: just go to the movies and wait there till a woman was coming in, you know, with her son. And I'd ask her if she'd I'd give her, you know, the quarter and say, could you buy my ticket and take me
2: in? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> sure. But the course, thing that right. was, was
1: interesting, you know, was that, the, you know, I could walk four, five, six blocks from my house. And remember, there was like on my
0: block alone, there was like a thousand people living in, a, in the apartment building. Absolutely. Especially in New
2: York, for sure. Yes.
1: And so I didn't know everybody, but everybody knew me. Right, right. So I was always safe. Exactly, because yeah. no matter where I was within my neighborhood, somebody knew
0: that I was there and I was theirs. <laughs> and it's interesting because it sounds like you found kind of a community in the West when you moved out, and then when you went back out, you know, you had your, yes. your groups and your com- like you said, you you had everyone contributed something to the whole.
2: Yeah, you know, yes.
0: And I think that's what, where it works really well is when there's a small group of people committed to an idea like that, it works really well. well it's when like, it gets a little bit bigger and one person refuses to do what everyone else is chipping in to do. And that creates animosity sometimes.
1: You know? Well, you lived in, in, in uh, Philadelphia, right? Yes, sir. So uh, if, if you live in an urban setting, you know, there's a lot of hanging out on a street corner.
0: That is correct. I mean,
1: that's not three or four guys. That's no, it's 30, not forty people hanging yeah. out on the street. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, you're you're that's that's your Saturday night because yeah. you know you,
1: <laughs> Yes. So you for know, sure. we all Absolutely. know each other, and yes, there are fistfights and you know different things happening. But
0: oh yeah, it's, there's, there's
1: it, always it's challenges, hard, and you're all friends.
0: Yeah, and you know, I wish I wish we felt like we were all in this together at some point. You know. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we all feel like we're fighting the different battles, but I feel like we should all be. We're kind of should all be be good, do good, and have fun.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice way to live. I, you know, I I uh, have a lot better time being happy than not being happy.
0: Isn't it great?
1: It's it's. I have so much a better time that any, and and uh, you know, because of my experiences and work I've done. I'm able to do this but anything that upsets me after a couple of minutes I'm like wait a second I don't like this and I need to find a way to get out of it not more into it.
0: You know that's that's a hard lesson to learn sometimes right? Yeah. I mean look at I you know we talk about we we shared kind of general ideologies and you know general philosophies but like Afghanistan's a great example of that right? Like we should get out no, let's double our efforts every year, you know, or whatever we did, you know, <sighs> and it just gets deeper and deeper. You know, we need to realize sometimes it's very introspective and very mature to realize when you're in over your head, you know, <laughs> right? that or, or when, you, when you realize that you're not getting the what you need out of something,
1: you know, or, or what? Well, really, what is it that you want? Right. You know, yeah. you want to you be fighting with people. You want to be hassling with people. You want to be upset all the time. Uh, Do you want to be a victim most of your life? (laughs) Right. Feeling like people are messing with you?
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate that that we have, we kind of lean, that's our new default setting, you know, being offended or being victimized in some weird way. But
1: yeah, um, people, I mean, so easy for people to fall in being a victim. And then when you, when you would point that out to them the first day, say, I'm not a victim. (laughs)
2: Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm being victimized, but I'm not a victim.
2: Right. right? Yeah. I
0: see it. So, so you, you have this career of a lot of the commission type work, right? Yes. I I have to ask because we had that conversation. Like I mentioned, Muhammad Ali is my, is just, I don't, I've never met them. I was never blessed enough to meet him, even though he lived in Phoenix for a bit. Um, but I understand you actually did know him personally.
1: Yes, I did. It,
0: it, Do you me. want to share any a couple stories of his that would yeah, really well, just share how great a person he truly was, or
1: a few little things? Um, so eventually, what happened, it, you know, is that I started trying to work at building a career in selling sports on. I got together with my current wife. I stopped using the drugs. Uh, I had somebody that helped out with investment in our business and we were off and running, trying to survive and, and, uh, making a living at doing the sports art, which it turned out I was fairly good at. So,
0: which you are, by the way, I can attest.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And so, uh, you know, uh, my wife was the president of the company, and I was chairman of the easel, and <laughs> you know, off we went. And so it was a struggle. Neither one of us had known very much about business before, or right. business, and we worked and worked and worked. So when we first started uh, to do the print business, I said, she said, "Well, where do you want to start?" And I said, let's start at the top with Muhammad Ali. Perfect. And if we can't get him, we'll just work our way down. Yeah, shoot for the stars, right? Right. Remember, you know, we felt like a couple of kids doing this, even though we are in our 40s. (laughs) I still felt like, you know, like a child in this, you
0: know. Oh, absolutely. So to correlate that story in the podcast world, Joe Rogan is the Muhammad Ali of podcasting. Yes. I have sent him a message asking to talk to him because if you don't ask, you definitely won't. Right. right. <laughs> so how did that go? You, you reached so, out to Ali directly or his
1: agent? So, or so we, we, we found, it was a very funny story. We found this agent through a book. The agent's the name was Harlan Werner. Okay. Uh, who I pictured as this big black, you know, being with, with the, you know, pinky rings.
2: Right.
0: Harland, right? Like a big guy. Yeah.
1: And I call him uh, and I, I found his number and I call the office and I get an appointment. And so my wife and I, you know, put on dress up clothes and a suit. and You know, I put on a tie, you know, which I... Southern California, you usually don't have to wear that <laughs> yeah,
0: that's not a thing. i'm Actually, like I said, I'm in Arizona now, so
1: I was my shield of armor <laughs> 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 and so I could we go down to his his office was in his house. We' get down to his house uh in l a and and knock on the door, and um, this big, wide door opens with this young blonde woman at the door and a big white staircase right Mm -hmm. at the door leading upstairs coming down the stairs was a was a kid that looked like a young howard stern you know hair tank tops uh, shorts and (laughs) flip-flops ice cream right okay he walks up to the door and i just i was going to ask him we're telling we're here to see your dad right and the woman said Before I got a chance to say it, she says,
0: Harlan, this is Mr. and Mrs. Holland. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're glad you didn't say that, right?
1: Right. (laughs) So we actually, we came in, we hit it off, and we made a big deal. Oh, that's great.
2: With him, him. we did it, you know, and, and did this print, which turned out to be very well. And,
1: uh, we started out working with the United uh, Negro College Fund. And so.
0: Oh, so did you? So you did something where you commissioned some art and some of the proceeds went there, or?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. We did, we did, we were selling the prints and they gave us their uh, mailing list. And in return, they got a percentage.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: So, uh, anyway, we're struggling along, you know, through the years. And, but meanwhile, my wife,
2: Janelle, is working with um you know I call her
1: my wife like she's my wife she actually is my heart.
0: Oh, don't do that to me Steve. <laughs> I I you know the 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 love of an artist I'll tell you it there it knows no bounds. uh
1: So uh anyway the the um I uh, she, you know, when people would come to me and they'd want to do a project with Muhammad, they'd come to me because of the the print we had made originally. Right. And But I would am- immediately turn them on to Harlan and say, well, you have to go through him. And so Janelle got to be working with Harlan. My, my wife, Janelle, got to, got working with Harlan. And they got to know each other a little well, and, you know, through the years. Anyway, after about four or five years, I'd, you know, I'd been selling here in a gallery here and there and doing okay. And then Harlan, who was a licensing agent for, you know, big name athletes, you know, in Muhammad, Joe Namath, uh, Sandy Koufax. Right. Uh, you know, history makers in their field.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, I definitely know that you did a name and I think you did a Koufax too, didn't I did you? Several. Yeah, I did. At least those, I recall those,
1: yeah. So, uh, because of Muhammad, who was at the time the the most well-known celebrity on the planet, he had real cachet in the whole, in every world.
0: For sure. He transcended sports. I mean, he was...
1: He did. And so, he came up, he called me one day and said he wanted to come to where I live and, and talk to me, and he did. And comes into my living room, says he wants to start handling sports artists and he'd like to represent me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I know if I was interested. I said yes yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right?
1: You couldn't
0: yeah. say it fast enough.
1: And so what he did um, was he had partnered up with the – Fellow who is the head of sales, uh, his name is uh, Daniel Crosby, for Martin Lawrence Galleries. Martin Lawrence Galleries at the time was uh, in their field of decorative art, with the largest gallery chain in the country. Okay. And so he had partnered up with them, with him and me, and he thought, with the three of us, he in his field, Daniel in his field, and me, what I did, we would be unbeatable. For sure. And and so we went to town. And so it
0: went fairly quickly from where my wife was busy making cold calls, getting more no's than yeses, of course. Of
1: course. To people going up to Daniel and saying, hey, Daniel, tell me what you got. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that must have been a nice uh, relief for you and your wife at the yes. time. Yes. You know, where we have a, like a stability, I guess, where you're not chasing it all the time. Right. Did that offer some additional artistic freedom for you? or?
1: Uh, no, I had the artistic freedom. You know, I was always growing, always learning, always trying to get more artistic freedom. But you have to understand the real artistic freedom. See, this was – I was – selling I was uh I was trying to make a living yeah I had to do work that sold right so I could be creative and there was a lot of fun in that and I really enjoyed it and being actually being successful when I had never been a success in my life at all at anything I actually, or in my opinion, anyway.
0: Well, I mean, in the financial scheme of things, possibly, but it sounds like your whole life you did what your heart wanted Uh, in some way. I mean, there's got to be value in that, right?
1: Yeah, I did, but I I came at it, if you can understand this,
2: I came at it going under instead of going over. Right, I see.
1: You know, and now I was starting to go over.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: You know, doing it from, uh, you know, from, you know, being up.
0: Right. From a net positive, right? From being yeah, ahead of the
2: game. Yeah, yeah.
0: I hear what you mean. Yeah. It's almost like always behind the eight ball, you know, you're always digging to get out.
2: Yeah. I, well, was, now
0: you'd
1: kinda you had kind of dug I, a little bit. I grew up, I was handicapped as a child uh, all through most of the elementary school.
2: Oh, really? And
1: I went to play sports. I always felt left out.
0: Oh my gosh! How did you get better? How did you?
1: It was something that after five years, it was fixed. Oh wow! So, but I had to wear a brace before that, and, and right, you know,
0: and, and and that's like social circles as a kid. You you don't get into those circles if you don't start in those circles, right?
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard to I had problems, and and it seemed like most of it was created in my own mind when they weren't really there. Yeah. You know, when I I went back and I looked back and thought back and looked at circumstances and I saw that, that, you know, that it was my, it was a fabric of my imagination. All of that pain. All of it.
0: It's interesting the introspective, right? When you have that new filter coming, looking at a previous way that you handled something that you would have totally handled differently.
1: And so, you know, I remember this because when I had uh, broke up with my first wife, and I went to work for a friend of mine as a uh a woodworker, working in his shop. And so we were friends, and, you know, there are a couple of people there. But he and I, you know, throughout the day, we would go, okay, let's do 25. And we'd drop to the floor and do 25 push-ups. And we'd do about a 100 a day. Right. And so one day I decided to do 200.
0: You just said, "Screw it! I'm going to double it."
1: Yeah, I just did 200. All right. Right. Day. I'm mean, 25 at a time. It's not that difficult. Sure. And so, the next day, I was late for work. I had an appointment in the morning. I came in at, uh, you know, late in the, in the morning, and my friend said to me, "He said, I'm going after your record, and I'm already up to 200."
2: <laughs>
1: and I thought. This was the thought that went through my mind, and it was a very typical thought. I said, of course, to myself. The only reason I have this record is because nobody else wants it. <laughs> I've you know, never wanted anything in my life. I want, you know, I'm a, I'm a total loser, you know, of course, right. without my record, and, you know. was just about to hang my head, and from I don't know where, but a voice came up inside
2: of me. And it said, Bullshit. It said, Bullshit. <laughs> and I, you know. Yeah, I, that's
0: you know, some the, That's definitely your inside so telling said, you.
1: Okay. How am I going to, you know, like every time I'm going to drop and do 25, he'll do 25 and he'll always be 200 ahead of me. Right. So I told him I had to make an important phone call.
2: And so I would go well, into the office to make the call, but I, you know, and I do
1: 25 push push-ups. come out and say, no answer, you know, (laughs) and I did that throughout, you know, the morning and early afternoon until I caught up to him.
0: (laughs) That's great. It's great that you could get away with it because back in the day, you had actually had to physically phone on a physical line. (laughs) (laughs) You actually had to go into a room, close the door. Yes. Lift, lift a, a receiver that was connected physically. Yes. And then push all the buttons or the dial thing, the zuka juga jug, you know the one with the yes. the wheel.
1: Yes. Uh, so I did this until, you know, I was even and then we went at it and it you worked till
2: midnight and, and we uh we tied. We both did five hundred. Oh wow.
0: So you just don't see quit. You seem to be a fighter then. I love I
1: it. I guess so. I didn't realize that. Uh because sometimes I do it over long term. Sure. But I actually saw it in my daughter. And I didn't realize that she had gotten it for me because,
2: you know, I, I, I didn't see myself as that, you know,
1: right. but she yeah,
2: kind so
0: of, she's it, a little feisty yourself. She's, uh, strong, a sand pile and, and, uh, slide back down and climb back up and try again and slide back down. And at that point, most kids would be crying. And right. Just go right back at it again and keep at it and keep at it until she got it. That's great. Yeah, that's that. You know, there's there is a spirit to that. I mean, some people are just it's inert, you know, or innate,
1: I guess.
2: And she still it's like it's in them. <laughs> she's still
1: she's still she's an, an environmental activist knocking them dead.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, Actually, do you want to what what company or what group is she with? She, if you know.
1: She's a professor at Lehigh Uh, University
0: okay Lehigh University I'm very familiar with the Poconos and everything
1: so yeah she's great oh she's a hundred miles from Philly
0: yeah exactly very close yep through the Lehigh tunnel I know it very well
1: (laughs) anyway and uh, yeah, she's a professor there
0: oh great uh, can you mention a son so how many how many children do you have
1: okay so
2: you ready? You want more stories? <laughs>
0: I Steven, I'm here. So I mean, if you'd love to share, I'd love to, sure. love to hear it.
1: So in um Brina is my daughter, you know, uh, that I helped raise. Janelle, uh, who I've known uh for 17 years before we were married, our families were friends. and her husband were friends. My wife and I went to each other's parties, et cetera. Right. Um, So she has two boys that I've known, the older one since he was a year old and the younger one uh, since he was born. And I helped raise him because I got with him when he was 10. And I consider both of them my sons. And then I have a stepson from my first wife considers me his father and i consider him a son and then lo and behold uh i find out i have a daughter that i didn't meet till she was 30 from a woman that i had lived with in the Haight ashbury and had disappeared
0: oh my gosh get out of here
1: yeah and had put her up for adoption
0: wow and did she find you she or how did,
1: me. oh my gosh, So I
0: that must have I, been I, its own challenges. Uh, that must have been its own. What? That, mu- that must have had its own challenges finding you considering it's not like you had paperwork back then, you know, or, or the, so the, the record
1: keeping. She, what happened at the, that time was kids when they reached a certain age were able to find out their biological parents information.
0: Oh, Okay. And so I didn't she, know that. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. So I'm not familiar with the whole process.
1: So she found her mother and, you know, her mother, which was a horrible experience for her. Her mother was not, you know, didn't work out for her at all.
2: But oh, her no, that's unfortunate.
1: Told her, uh, that, uh, but she had great, her parents who adopted her did a much better job than her mother or I ever could have done at the time
0: right and and that's what's amazing about that right i mean when you talk about giving up a child for the goodness of the child i mean it sounds like the mother had challenges
2: yes and so
1: she put the kid up for adoption whoever adopted her i never met them they did a great job she's a fantastic kid with an unbelievably wonderful husband and wonderful life and so she uh she found me through, course by this time, I had a little name, yeah, and so she found me in
2: uh through uh I guess the media uh and uh sent me an email
0: what what year was this if you don't mind me asking
1: uh let's see 96, ninety six oh, ninety wow,
0: so you've only known each other tw- fifteen years,
1: yes. Oh, my God. So She sent a letter asking if I was, uh, you know, she said, hi, gave me a name and said, you know, did you live in San Francisco in 1967? So I wrote back and I said, yes. um, Yes, I did. What is this about? And here's my phone number. I don't type very well. So she called me the next morning.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: She told me she met her mother, and mother told her that her father was lived in San Francisco in nineteen sixty seven sometimes made his a living as an artist. Huh. She wanted to know if I was her birth father, so I asked her her mother's name. I said, "What's It depends what your mother's name is <laughs>
2: her
1: mother's name I said, "Hi, it's Dad
2: <laughs>
0: So have you ever done any kind of actual testing or just you know you oh, know this
1: is the I, case? <laughs> uh so she uh her and her husband came down to visit us my wife and I and we had the whole family waiting my daughter and
2: stepkids my brother you know everybody was here to say
1: welcome
0: <laughs> that's amazing it sounds like your whole life has just been filled with Love that you've cultivated and found over the years, you know.
1: Yes, well, you know, I, I think that's a lot of, to do with genes, and I think we all have those genes somewhere in our
2: family. Yeah, and 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 uh, and people in our family growing
1: up that give us that.
0: Yeah, they help uh, cultivate it, or they help uh, encourage it, or nurture it. Right,
1: keep it nurtured.
0: Yeah, and so. They- Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please.
1: So, uh, you know, Leslie, you know, I got to know Leslie and, and, you know, she, uh, she doesn't really see me as a dad because she was very close with her, you know, very close to her parents.
0: Absolutely.
1: Take that away from her or usurp that or anything.
0: You know? Well, I mean, I've heard the story about you know the father versus the dad, right, kind of thing. Whereas, like, the father's like the biological giver of the maker yeah, of the baby.
1: That's all I am It's the biological. I'm the right. I'm the seed.
0: But what's great is you were a dad to others too. So it's not like you even knew first of all, right? And <laughs> secondly, you know, this turned out amazing in the back end.
1: No, it doesn't matter. And, and you know, I have a granddaughter. I have a grand two grandchildren now. The, the granddaughter is from my stepson. I fell in love with her the second I saw her after she was born. <laughs> you know, I, which I saw her seconds after she was born.
0: Is that the one that visited a week, a couple of weeks ago, or? Uh,
2: yeah, she lives half far away. Oh. Ivy, she is uh, just a little dream. And then her brother, who,
1: I mean, so, so this is from no blood, just the stepson. Right. And her brother, uh, my stepson married a woman, uh, who had uh, a son with her first marriage, and and that's all wonderful too because that son Owen, his dad, you know, is and you know they're all close together. Right. <laughs> anyway, and Owen is like this wonderful kid and considers me grandpa. Pop, say <laughs> my name. And then, you know, and
0: that's what it's about, though, right? I mean, it, it's about it bringing people together.
1: And he turns out to be, he's hes 14, but he's a major athlete at his age.
0: That's great. What's his uh, favorite sport, or what's basketball. he like to play? He, I'm sorry, which one? Basketball. Basketball, okay,
1: Yeah. Good. It turns out his, his, uh, his, his sandlot coach, I don't know what you call it, basketball. Yeah. The Senla yeah. coach put a lot of people in the NBA, and even even the, his coach in high school was taught by this this Sandlot coach.
0: Oh, that's great! And yeah, one player, of those division some UA. Player.
1: Yeah. Some player on the uh, the Magic had seen him play and went over to him and told him he liked this game.
0: Oh wow, that's no. impressive! That's awesome. So, you know, well, like I said, I mean, it sounds it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with love, and and you you went through this phase of the sports, right? Sports and entertainment. Yes. Um. I have an Ali painting. I have a Billy Joel. I have a Travolta, and I have the Brando, but I have the Brando Godfather, not the uh the motorcycle, not which um
1: the Brando Godfather is the first one.
0: I the Godfather one, yeah. so um. So those are the ones I have, and now, when I spoke with you or when you reached out, you were so kind to reply to me when I reached out to you. so thank you again.
1: Well, I thank you also
0: <laughs> and you tell me about this you've you're at a new project or you you've changed your style or your your philosophy on on your art
1: well, it's you know things in the sport world sports world had changed, things had changed for me. I was getting older I was. You know, I had gotten sick a lot and everything. And so I, one day I said to my wife, you know, uh, her business was, she had started a business, uh, and she's, you know, and that, uh, you know, cause she felt a, a while back, she said, we shouldn't have all our eggs in one basket.
0: Yeah, that's smart. I mean, to diversify, right?
1: So smart. <laughs> you have no idea how, how smart she is. She's your
0: heart and your mind, apparently, right?
1: <laughs> for, reason, you know, for me, I would have rented a place and I made it a studio and lived in it. We now own a beautiful home in Southern California. You know? Right. Beautiful. With a beautiful mountain view and, you know, just uh, you know, a mile from the ocean. It's all her.
0: Yeah, please, please keep telling me how phenomenal this is, Steve. I love to hear it.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I live in I live in the sand, but it's a different sand. It's the desert sand. It's not.
1: <laughs> you need to come out here.
0: I I would love to come out there, sir.
1: Come out and visit.
0: <laughs> I'd be honored. Thank thank you. That I would be honored. Thank you. <laughs> I
1: can't put you up at the moment, like I said. That's okay. You don't have, have to. A, a, a vacant guest room. But- you know, I
0: think I think it's okay to share lunch before we get to hanging out like at your house,
1: right? <laughs> anyway, um so uh I forgot
0: So oh. your wife is your who's the business manager who now has all you have a beautiful home.
1: Right. She says to me she says, Well, why don't you just paint what I said, I should paint why don't I just paint you know, nothing is selling very well. Why don't I just paint what I want? She said, You should paint what you want. And so I started painting stuff that had been you know I had been messing with since I was in my early twenties, and uh I started it just you know, I never knew how to paint them. I knew how to draw them, I just didn't know how to paint them. okay? And then I came across this artist, uh I don't remember how, but he said, your artist is you know half my age but I loved what he did in his abstract paintings. And I said, I could paint my paintings that, like that.
0: Oh, okay. So take oh. it from an abstract instead of a realistic perspective.
1: Yes. Yes. It just really started loosening me up. And I started, you know, I, I just started going berserk painting, drawing, you know, Every day, I uh, you know I get I'm old. I get sick now and then, so it's not like I paint eight hours a day. You know, it's more like three these days. Um, but I just it's I feel, you know, my wife is is literally you know I have two best friends, my brother or three, my friend Tony and my friend Hank. Okay, and then I have my wife. Who's my dad. Right,
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So so what if you may what is the name of this project or what is the name of the the new style that you
2: oh, agree?
1: Neck Circus. My wife
0: Longneck Circus.
1: She names all the paintings. <laughs>
0: oh, she na- she's the one who named them?
1: Yes. she names the paintings and she came up with that.
0: Okay, I love it.
1: And so lo- <laughs> um
0: so it's a, it's located at longneckcircus.com just for everyone to know and I'll put that link in the description oh, as well. Thank you. Thank but uh, everyone can take a look at it. it. It's beautiful. It's it's so different. It's such a departure from what I recall your the art that I have. But it's beautiful in its own right.
1: It's also um, on Instagram at longfingers okay. There's more there because I'm I'm still really in the very early stages of my website.
0: Okay, I will definitely put a link up to the Instagram as well. I'm, and I, I think I followed it, but I'll I'll do that as well.
1: But uh, the old website is on the Stephen Holland Studios. Uh, uh dot com okay stephen
0: studios dot com so
1: and so, so um what this stuff what the new work is about is is it's fun it's uh about my feelings there's a bunch of social commentary um uh about well I, I, I don't think I'm the only one who feels there's a lot of social commentary to be made <laughs> this past four years, five years. I,
0: I would think there needs to be I you know, I think we just need to open for conversation instead of argument to start. Oh. Can we start there? Right. But you're right. I mean it look, there's no there's no light shine, shown on any social problem until someone does it. So you know, someone has to break that egg to make the omelet.
1: Right. But right now, it, it doesn't seem that it seems like, uh uh I mean, I don't know much about politics. I mean, I really don't. I know a lot of my thoughts.
0: But you know people, what and that's important. I would analyze,
1: but I don't have very many facts. Like if I talk to my daughter, she knows all of it.
0: Right. She would know dates and times and,
2: oh, and what's going on. She's, she, uh, oh, yeah. She's,
0: so do you have any specific, um, causes that really speak to you that, that you wanted to address?
1: Um, I get, well, first of all, as it turns out, you know, art wise, I find out when I'm painting now, for the most part, even when I'm making social commentary, I don't dance very well. I listen to music a lot. I don't dance very well. <laughs> I'm alone okay. in my studio. Right. And when I paint, it's like all this movement and rhythm comes out in what I'm painting. And I feel like I, what, I guess what I was trying to say earlier was because my wife works at home and I work at home, I feel like I'm hanging out in the, and I'm having so much fun. I feel that I'm hanging out in the playground with my best friends at seven years old. Right. You know, just yeah. all day long.
0: It's like a regression without actually regressing, right? Right. You actually live it, you're actually living your youthful life. Right.
1: And so, the, the, you know, I guess if, if you, could call it, you could call it abstract, you could call it carnivalesque. Uh, it's very cartoon-like.
0: It, it's playful, I,
1: it I, it's uh,
2: and it's I,
0: colorful, it's light, it's lighthearted, but it does have messages. Like I saw the hug and the just, it's beautiful. Right. It's, it, the messages are really pretty. The
1: messages usually sometimes like like the hug that you talked about. That didn't start out as a message. But that started out as plain a bunch of kids playing. Oh, really? Yes, and then you know, and then I noticed this and that, and it was just. And all of a sudden, I said, wait a second. And then I started adding a few things to to make it political. That's thought, funny. Uh, and very often, my work is just starts out with a visual idea. And then I go, oh, that's what I was trying to say.
0: Okay, so a lot of times you actually workshop it as the idea just comes to you, and then you kind of mold it in a clay way, and then finally put it out
1: say this would make a nice
0: thing. oh so it's almost like it's like a sculpture but on canvas like you have the idea and then you mold it slowly over time
1: well like, sometimes i'll do it in a sketch but okay i'll just start with a figure and then it goes from there
0: that's beautiful <laughs> it's amazing because i i i don't have that artistic eye i i know what i like but i just don't I, I can't imagine the vision that you have, the 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 filter through which you see the world.
1: It's no different than yours. I just happen to have a, and it's truly a gift. You know,
0: it uh, is a gift because it is given. It's given for sure.
1: You. All you can do is work the field. Exactly. Know, Amen. As you can, you know that's your job. Is you, you've been given this field to work on. Just the same as if someone gave you, you know, a plot of land. Yeah. You just you just work it as hard as you can. It took me. Yeah, a
0: it it certainly time. doesn't come easily.
1: I actually, you know, I actually learned that I was not into sports early on, and I, I you know, because I couldn't play. Right. Uh, so I played a little bit of football when I when I the handicap was over, but. Uh when I was in in my mid thirties um I took an art class in the city college where I live, and I had such a good time doing it the The teacher there had taught this technique that I had never learned it was a just an art one eight one oh one technique, but I just had so much fun doing it that and this was back in there late seventies uh and I couldn't find any books. You know, in those days, you couldn't find any books with nude figures in it. Men or women, except that they were standing very stiff. Right. You know, or, or I guess there was hardcore porn. That's never been my... I idea.
0: guess. Yeah, but there wasn't really a naturalness to it, right? I guess. In
1: yeah. I mean, that was never my route anyway. But Yeah. I got these boxing magazines because you could see most of the figure. And I just had this... Such a great time doing these drawings from these sports figures that I started, that I said, well, I like football. Let me try football. And I just then that was fun. So I tried basketball, baseball. I went to do all the sports. And because I had, this was when I was still not very together at all. And the, I was the, the,
2: uh, what do you call it? Uh um I'm trying to think for a That's second. It's okay. Uh
1: oh yeah. The the I had these sports magazines around. So I started okay. reading them because they were there. And I started noticing how hard the athletes worked. And the bell went off and I said, Ding, this is how hard you have to work to be successful. Yes this is what you have to do to be successful. So I started learning how to discipline myself.
0: That's, that's an amazing lesson.
1: And so I started doing that and I started doing that. and, And actually when I got together with my first wife and I said, you know, when you want to go someplace, there's a story, you go half the distance and you know, if you're not, if you have trouble, you go half the distance and you go half the distance again and you go half the distance again. And that kind of gets you towards the, you know, gets you started.
0: Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like the journey of a thousand miles, right? It starts with the single step.
1: Well, it's the first step, but you never get there going half the distance. you got to go true. all the way. Right. And so I said, this woman, my, you know, who I'm with now, I want this to work more than anything. I've, I met, met her the first second I met her. I had a crush on her. We were married to other people. I didn't mess around. I just, you know, I wasn't going that route. Right. But we were friends, and I always had a little crush for her. only <laughs> had a chance to get together with her. I said, boy, talk, I'm putting my best everything forward. Yeah, you have to give and it I, all, right? I just said, I know what to do to be successful. If I want this to work, this is lady has class. And if I want this to work, I gotta I gotta rise to the occasion and I did.
0: And how many years have you been married now? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Congratulations on that. We and
1: <laughs> we did a lot of work, we've had our problems. But we spend all day, every day together for most of 30 years and we hardly i mean for the last i don't know 10 15 20 years we hardly ever have a harsh word it's beautiful i know we just- i
0: think i think it's nice to find kind people
1: to Yeah. love you know
2: it is
0: <laughs> it certainly helps right
2: yes well
0: yeah. before we call it a day i mean we're we're almost we're over an hour almost an hour and a half into this steve okay before we call it a day, I mean, uh, thank you again so much for, for spending, sharing your time with me. I, I'm blessed because you are someone I look up to. And it, it, anyone who I look up to who is so gracious in giving their time or sharing their time with me, I'm so grateful. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, it's hard to, to hear looking up to because, you know, whatever it is, I still feel like that little kid.
0: <laughs> I love it. I think that's what makes you great. Uh, it's kinda of like uh they talk about greatness. People great people don't have to tell you they're great, they just do it.
1: There's one more story I'd like to tell. Please. Um most people won't believe this story, but it's it's true and it's from me and it's not about anybody else but me. Uh so it's not a story I heard. When I first
0: hand account, I love it. This is this is the juicy stuff, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. When I first decided to To get off the drugs, Uh, I called the Swami, Swami Satchidananda, and said that you know he knew my story. And I said I really you know I was about to screw up the worst thing and the best thing in my life, and and the you know are doing the worst thing in my life. And I said I I I needed help. Stopping, of course so he said, uh, come out to the ashram in Virginia. They have a, uh, an ashram called Sachinanda Ashram, yogaville in Buckingham, Virginia. He said, come out here and yes, I can help you. So I said, well, you know, I've been using every day, all day for the last year, unbeknownst to my wife. And, uh, I'm really afraid of being sick from, drug sick. Can you fix it so I don't get sick? I knew he was a healer.
0: Right, so you meant like the withdrawal, correct?
1: Yes, I meant withdrawal. Okay,
0: because heroin, the withdrawal is where it is pretty
1: yes, violent. horrible. Yeah. And so he said, yes, he would. And so I went out to the ashram and I met him. There were a few people there. I, I knew a lot of people there because I had to live it in that community and through the years been involved with it in one form or another. And so they took me to him and he looked at the people and he says, this is my dear child. He said, he's not been well. He's come here to get healed and I want you all to give help him. You know, they were, you know, a few of the heads of different parts of it. And so they, they said, sure. Then he looked at me and he said, uh, don't worry. He said, if things get bad, you'll see why I remember this like this. He said, if things get bad, we have a hole we can throw you in. I said, oh, a hole. I said, you said I wasn't even going to get sick. (laughs) So he said, don't worry, you won't die. was teasing me. And I said,
2: you know. He said a hole, and I said, Don't worry, you won't. And that's when I said to him,
1: uh, you said I wasn't he said, Don't worry, you won't get di- die. I said, You said I wasn't even gonna get sick. What do you mean, die? <laughs> so he looked at me, he squeezed my shoulder, twinkled at me, and he said, You'll be alright. And I was there for three weeks, and the only Drug withdrawal symptom that I had was that I couldn't sleep most of the time. You know, all of it. Right. I was there. I just couldn't.
0: You not were sleep. just restless.
1: I just, yeah, no, I literally couldn't, couldn't. Sleep. Yeah,
0: in, yeah, insomnia basically.
1: And so
0: that's I, a little better than the shakes, though, isn't it? I mean,
1: it better, I mean, I didn't feel great. Right. But it was nothing was going. None of the other stuff was happening. And so after three days, uh, he put me on a fast with an intestinal cleanse. And then one morning, a week after I started to fast, about four in the morning, I sat up in bed just, and I felt like a fever broke. And I said to myself, I said, God, I'm, God, I'm really feeling better. I feel so weak. God, I feel weak. Anyway, I laid back down. Three hours later, I go downstairs. I spoke to him every day or saw him every day. And I pick up the phone to call his, you know, I punched in the numbers to his connection. He picked up the phone. Before he said a word, he said, ah, Stephen, so you're feeling better, So, but you're very, very weak. See, (laughs) I've been looking in on you. I swear to God. Wow. And then he said to me, He said, all the drugs are out of your system. You will, uh, uh, if someone tied you down and injected you, your body would reject it. You, You will never crave the drug again. And I will always be there between you and the drug. And 30 years later, never, ever have I had a craving.
0: Not even a craving.
1: Not even a craving. I would run into... You know, I even had a situation where I allowed someone to use my house to smoke heroin because otherwise they would have done it in the street and they were a friend.
0: Right. You know, you, you didn't people. want to see them get hurt
1: and there. I, I watched them and it was, it was like, you know, that I, I would have a cup of coffee with my connection if I ran into them in town. It was right. an old lover that you couldn't live without. And all of a sudden yeah. it's just not there anymore.
0: Wow. You it's just everything. you. Just completely had apathy almost towards it. You just didn't feel anything.
2: Nothing.
0: Wow, Nothing. that's amazing. So everyone's watching is basically what happens.
2: <laughs> so every, <laughs>
1: I don't know. He just, you know, he was a healer. He was a holy man.
0: Yes, I've been. I've had experiences that have opened my eyes to some things, and I'm still trying to work them out. I'm trying to figure out what it is. You know. Well, he. I'm. You know, once again, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm so grateful again for your time.
1: He said it's a matter of faith. That
0: makes mean? sense. George Michael always said you have to have faith. So, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk and, 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 and you know, verbalize some of the stuff going on with me.
0: Well, Steve, thank you again so much. I'm so grateful and blessed to, uh, for you to have that time with me, to share your time with me. Well thank you. Not conscious world, everyone out there, Twitter world, Twitter universe, please go to longneckcircus.com. That is Stephen's newest uh, art, but uh it's also stephenhollandstudios.com. Uh it's it's P H E N not V. But uh Steve, thank you again.